Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. What was worrying you when you came in? You leave saying, I just got a feeling, Brother Nehemiah taught us, I just got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Just feel like God's going to make a way where there is no way. You know, we were troubled coming in, but I feel like we're blessed going out. Nobody's ever been there. Amen. That's why you go to church, because it gives you a God perspective instead of a fear perspective. You're not given to a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Amen. Welcome to the Anchor. We're so thankful for all of our guests that are here today and all those watching by way of the web. And, and uh, we need to pray no more snow. I'd like to pray no more ice. Somehow in that ice that we had, I fell three times in three days. I'm just glad nothing was broken except my pride. I'm like, I've never felt that many times. And, uh, you know, I, I learned something about falling on ice. It's in Found the Bible, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I don't know how I went from here to there. And that reminded me of the rapture. Anyhow, Genesis 4.1. I felt like last week the Lord dealt with me to teach you a principle he gave me several years ago and uh, the blessing of the Lord is upon us there's no doubt I feel so blessed I can certainly say in the scripture brother Mealy that my cup runneth over but I feel like that through the word we're going to learn and hear and God's going to speak to us today about living your best life I don't want any regrets I don't want to look over my shoulders I taught Wednesday and regret I want to live knowing that that I've done something, made a difference, that the hand of God was leading me and guiding me. Can you say amen? Genesis 4 and 1, it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. And bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. This is the first baby ever born, it was Cain. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the, tiller of the ground. What, what you're finding here, the scripture is bringing to us a contrast. It's Cain and Abel. He was, Abel was a shepherd. Cain was um, a crop farmer, tiller of the ground. Uh, verse 3 says, and in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. It only makes sense that he was giving from his occupation. Verse 4, here's the contrast, it's comparing. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain, you see the contrast there? But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth or very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why are you mad? Why are you angry? Why is thy countenance fallen? Why well, he looks so sad? And look what it says in verse 7. He makes this statement. Would you, would you say it with me? If thou doest well, thou shalt not be... Or, sorry. I said it wrong. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, send light to the door. And he said, And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. He, Cain, you're upset. Your countenance is falling. 
Is it not true if you do right? Won't you be blessed? Won't you be accepted? Won't the offering be accepted? And um, so the goal is to get you to understand what it was saying here. Proverbs chapter 3. Let's turn there in our Bibles. Proverbs 3. Read two verses. I usually preach, and I'm sure I will a little, but I'm, I feel led and quickened of the Lord to teach you from the writing of the Word. Proverbs 3 and 9. Proverbs 3 and 9. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Would you, would you do this with me? Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Here's the declaration. Here's the promise. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I'd like to, from these two portions of Scripture, I'm also going to be reading from Deuteronomy 28 and 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you don't remember those, the turn to those, I will remind you, I promise. And um, would you lift your hands and ask God to let you live the best life you can live? Would you do that? God, I want to live a best life. I don't want any regrets. Put your hand upon my life, upon our family. Put your favor upon me and my children, grandchildren to come. Just pray your hand over us in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say amen. Turn to two people, a couple people around you. Say, I want you to live your best life. You may be seated. You know, one thing I've learned living for God is it's, it's joy unspeakable. Really, I mean, doing this right, living the way God wants you to live, it's fulfilling. Your marriage is fulfilled. Your time is fulfilled. It is. I, I, I met a guy one time and I found out when Cindy was going to have a kid, I, I ended up, you know, you, you, you ever have small talk, small talk with people that you wish you'd never had small talk with? You ever done that? There's a, there's a proverb that says it's better to uh, keep your mouth shut and everybody think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> a lot of truth in that. And I was talking to this guy and he had five kids. And he said to me, whatever you do, don't have five kids. My life is miserable. And that's what he told me. And uh, man, I thought the conversation was going to get better. It only got worse. <laughs> Talking about a count that's fallen. And I'm going to tell you, I think he was Cain wrath and angry, and um, he, he, he didn't see it from a God perspective. Same way I, I've seen people work jobs where they didn't have to be home the same time their spouse was, and because the marriage wasn't fulfilled. But it can be fulfilled. You can have an absolute amazing marriage. Uh, uh, someone once said, they said, oh, you can love your spouse so much that sometimes you, you just eat them up, and other times you wish you had. One guy made the statement. He said, oh, my, my wife and I have never used the word divorce. He said, we thought murder several times. <laughs> you know, life can be fulfilling. And, and it doesn't mean we're perfect. And I appreciate, um, I appreciate Brother Gio, you know, talking about we do have personal life. We work through things. Some days we just have bad days. And that's actually in the scripture because the Bible says, and it was one of those days. Anybody know what that's talking about? But I, I, I say to you that that the goal is to work through that. And what I want to say is not, just because your marriage doesn't mean it's blessed. Married just doesn't mean it's blessed. Just because you have a lot of money does not mean you're blessed. A nice home and a nice car, that does not necessarily mean you're blessed. There was a man one time, he was so poor, 
that all he had was money. He was so poor that all he had was money. Some people think that blessed means to have a lot of money. Uh, you can be blessed with a lot of money, but just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're blessed. I'll give you an example. Rob a bank. <laughs> Please don't chop this message out. Who's ever watching this and say, Pastor told the congregation rob a bank. I did not say that. But I'm saying is you can have a lot of money from the wrong ways. I asked somebody one time that did a lot of drugs in one month, spent $16,000 on money, $16,000 on crack cocaine. And I said, hold on a minute. I said, I'm trying to figure out where'd you get $16,000 to spend on crack cocaine? And he said, if you get it evil, it goes evil. And so the point that I'm making to you, just because you have something doesn't mean it's blessed. You want to live a blessed life, that what you have is from the Lord, not gotten the wrong way, that God's hand is on your life. Just because you've given something doesn't mean that you've done it right. And so what I say to you, a blessed life is a life that has been lived according to the word of God, not according to the traditions of man. Amen? And, um, and so when you're looking at scripture, how do, we, how do we do this right? Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you, will, if you will turn there with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I want to teach you something that I have never seen before in the scripture until my devotion just a few days ago. I knew what I'd be preaching today about the blessing of God and living your best life and teaching you about biblical, a biblical perspective of finances and giving and living a life that God is blessing and um, I don't teach on it very often, but, but it's a rare for me to teach. But I feel led of the Lord. I taught on Wednesday how to manage your time. Because I felt like God gave me a revelation about managing time. And oh, let me, let me talk about this for a minute. If we're not careful as Americans, you will, you will be commercialized, commercialized till you can't enjoy the car you're driving for the one that you just saw advertised. You can't enjoy the house you're living in for the next one you want to have. If you're not careful, you can be commercialized. Subliminal messages, things that are put in there to cause you to want more than what you have. The Bible talks about being content. Doesn't mean you can't grow financially. Doesn't mean that you can't, you can't grow as an individual. But it's different that you can't enjoy now because you're so driven for something ahead. The Sabbath, I'm, I want everybody that wasn't here Wednesday, go back and watch online or get the podcast. And what I was trying to teach you is that he worked six days in creation and he rested on the seventh. When his work was done, it, well, did God need to rest? Here's a great question for all you theologians. Could God have created it all in one day? Why did he do six? Because he understood we would operate out of seven day weeks. He understood that we, it wouldn't just be one year, 365 days. He, he understood that time is in increments and he was teaching us how to manage time by going back as our example, as our father and teaching us how to, how to build a home, how, how to build a place. What he did on day one, he finished on day four. What he did on day two, he finished on day five. What he started on day three, he finished on day six so that at the end of the week, he could stop on a Sabbath and not work and rest, not because he's tired, but as an example, that he could look over the week and see his family, because Adam was created, the last thing put in the Garden of Eden was Adam. He sets him there and Adam has no needs. Eve has no needs. Everything they have has been supplied by him. 
It's growing. It's producing in its season. And he can look down and God is resting, not because he's tired, but God is teaching us to look back over a six-day work week and resting saying, look what has happened. Look at the fruit of what we've done. Look at the fruit of what has happened. What I'm saying to you is that's how you have to learn to live your life. Not working through your Sunday, not working through... Every day, of the, every day of the month but to get something you really don't need, you're going to be able to stop and set small incremental goals so the goal might not be finished. The, the house might not be done. The, 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 the project in the backyard might take three weeks to do and you're trying to cram it in. You've got to be able to set small goals and reflect on that week and say, I've done everything I said I was going to do this week, so right now I'm going to do nothing. What am I going to do? I'm going to be thankful. You can't be thankful because you're unfinished, meaning that you are unaccomplished. You've got to learn to live a life that allows you and your spouse to feel accomplished. Because I'm going to tell you what you don't want to do is get this attitude that you're not good enough, they're not good enough. The kids aren't good enough. Your room's never clean. You never make your bed. You, you know, and I'm going to tell you something else. Never say to your children, shame on you. Never. Never say shame. That's what he went to the cross to remove from our life. You, you made a mistake, but here's, here, here's how you correct uh, uh, Trevor. Stand up. I land, your room's still dirty. What in the world's going on with you? Your mom called me for a service, told me to use you as an example today. I'm teasing. I, that's not true. I'm teasing. But what happens is in this moment, you look down and say, you know, you're better than this. Not shame on you or you never. Man, I am so off rails right now what I'm planning on teaching. But what we do, we use ex- extreme. I've done it. We've done it. Extreme verbiage like you never, you always. Don't say that. That's, that's not good. You're, you know, you're better than this. I think it's in you to have, have some organization. You're better than this. Quit acting like a slob. Am I prophesying? Am I reading? I, hey, listen, you be seated. What I'm saying to you is live the best life that you don't have any regrets. How do you do that? you gotta, you got to get on the first day of the week and declare the end of your week from the beginning of the week. What do I want to have accomplished by here? Instead of just, you got your, uh, I, need a, I need a purse. I don't carry one, but I need a purse. Can I borrow a purse? Oh my, I, I'm not strong enough to carry that purse. Just the way <laughs> Boy, you, here he is. You, you wake up. Here he is. You wake up. You wake up. Oh, you yeah, get your feet. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm going to be late. And you get here, you get in the car. You drive to work, five miles over speed limit, seven miles over speed limit. And wouldn't you know, deadbeat driver in front of you, drinking their nice casual cup of coffee, going down the road. Hey! Are y'all with me right now? I mean, you're thinking of every Christian cuss word that you can't say. Here they are, and they sit through a green light arrow because they're on their phone. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You come to, you come to get to work, you're huffing and puffing, you get in there, you set your lunchbox, manly lunchbox down. Man, I, I knew no guy had a lunchbox in here, but you set it down, you go in there, and you're huffing and puffing, you start late, frustrated. Why? Because you didn't plan. One thing to oversleep is another thing to step half the night on Facebook and can't get up to the alarm because you're media driven. And I'm saying that your life's going to get away from you. And you look back and you've rushed through a day, then a week, then a month, then a year, 
and you're not happy, you're not fulfilled, and nothing's happening except you're making a living and doing the American dream, and then you're going on vacation, and that's not relaxing either, fuss and fighting, because you didn't plan that very well either. And what I'm saying to you is, is we get out of balance. And God, God's bringing this principle to Adam. He's, he's, he's brought this principle in, in Cain and Abel in this great contrast. And this is what it is. It's the day they're, they're bringing an offering. And uh, um, I might as well hold on to this purse for a minute. They, they come in and they, they've got this unplanned. Watch. Why was Cain's offering rejected? Why was Abel's received? Are y'all ready for the answer? I mean, we, we have taught it. We have believed because what they offered wasn't accepted instead of how they offered wasn't accepted. It, it mentions Abel, a shepherd. Cain is a tiller of the field. He's a tiller of the ground. He's a crop farmer. And uh, when they give their offering, I told you to turn to 2 Corinthians 8 and I didn't, I didn't go there yet. But let me, let me go back. Uh, what, what does it say about Cain? Are you ready? Just, just hold your spot. Go back to Genesis 4. Because I did get off rails just for a minute. But What does it say in Genesis 4 and verse 3? Are you ready? What does it say? And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and an offering unto the Lord. Um, what does this mean? What, 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 what why didn't God receive him? I'm going to tell you why. Because this is it. Y'all five, come here. We keep using all these guys in the front row, you know. They are going to start moving back, aren't they, Peyton? Hey, yeah, um, just stand and face the audience. One of them growled just now. See what I got to put up with? What Cain was doing, it wasn't wrong that he gave a grain offering. He gave out of his occupation. Abel gave out of his occupation. It doesn't make sense for Abel to give wheat or corn or grain because Abel was a shepherd. It really doesn't make sense for Cain to give a sheep. And I, I realize we preached about, well, he didn't offer a lamb and blood sacrifice and the principle of that. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about an offering unto the Lord. And uh, the Bible says in the, in the Levitical law, when the children of Israel, the elect of God, were giving, that they were to give out of their occupation. That's why farmers, crop farmers, would bring wheat or corn and they would sell it and give their tithe 10% of the increase of that. They would give that. And a shepherd would give of sheep. It just makes sense. You, you could do, a, as a shepherd, you give a sheep. As a crop farmer, you could give of the ground. It just makes sense. That's the same thing here. And why would the Bible mention it? That, that Cain's offering, he gave grain, but God didn't receive it. Something would have happened. There was something that did not happen on, a, on his offering that made him angry because he looks and Abel is blessed. Abel is received. God has received Abel's, but he didn't receive Cain's. Why? Because that, that phrase right there, in process of time, it came to pass. You know what he was doing? Well, I tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if the uh, if the wheat produces enough, then I'll give. If the cornfield produces enough, then I'll give. If the barley produces enough, then I'll give. If the tomatoes put it's red tomatoes produce enough, 
if the lemons produce enough, blueberries, I don't know, but if they produce enough, let's see how good the harvest is. And then I'll give out of that. Because God would not expect me to give not knowing what the climate will be or the production will be tomorrow because He expects me to plan. Offerings don't work that way. It's sort of like this. Let's pay the electric bill. Let's pay the gas bill. Let's pay the Walmart bill. You know what I'm talking about. Let's pay the grocery bill. Let's pay this. And if we have enough left, then we give. That's not how God operated. God wanted them to trust Him with their future. And that's why the Bible mentions Abel. Come here. And Abel, you know what he did? He didn't wait. He didn't wait until to see how much the lambs would produce, how much the sheep would produce. The Bible says he gave firstlings. That means when they first come out of the lamb, he offered that to God. That lamb could have been a great producer. It could have been that that you lamb would never produce again. But he knew if I give God first, guess what's going to happen? God's going to bless the you lamb. It's going to keep on giving. If I give God first, he's going to take care of my tomorrow. He's going to take care of my job. He's going to take care of it. I'm telling you, that's why God received him because he saw God in his future, but Cain saw only him in his future and his ability. You want to be blessed? You want to have no regrets? Do it the way God wants to do it. I want you to clap your hands and thank God for it. Thank you, boys. He said, he said, I don't want you to do this by your own ability. Yes, I gave you the job. I gave, oh, how many feel this? He gave us the job. He gave us the mental ability. He's given us the wisdom. He's given us the health. He's given us the strength. If God's given you a job, I think y'all clap your hands and thank God for it. But he said, I want you to give thinking about me in your future. You know, we live in America. We are so blessed in America. How many believe God bless America and has? Now, now, let me cover a couple of things because I realize gas prices are up and I feel like Cain a little bit. Anybody feel angry? But now we're paying as much for a gallon of gas as some have been paying for a cup of coffee. That sounds smart, Alec, but it's just reality. And the truth of the matter is, America is so blessed that we're used to abundance and buying things that we don't necessarily need. How many know that's very, very true? Now don't go out here and say, well, pastor said, well, I'm telling you, 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 when you have gas prices going up, let me talk about living the best life. Sometimes you've got to change your lifestyle to meet those budgets. And if we time management ahead, you need a financial budget ahead. What do we have coming? That's not lack of faith. It's called wisdom. Look at your neighbor say you need a plan. There's over 2,100 verses about stewardship and giving. More than the word faith. Why? Because God expects us to be stewards of what he has given us. And we can waste things. and We blame the devil for struggles, but sometimes it was lack of planning. Buying things we can't afford to do. Getting credit cards that we can't pay off. And y'all know what I'm telling you is very true. But, but when God blesses you, when God blesses you, he, uh, uh, come here. When God blesses you with something, it's like, it's like when God blesses you with a wife. What a day that will be. <laughs> when God blesses you with a wife, it's not just a girl. 
It's not just a woman. Not when God blesses you with a wife. God will bless you with somebody when he gives that person to you. They're going to be, they'll love God. Quit, listen to me. Quit trying to picture what she looks like. That, that'll come in time. You'll be attracted to her. You will. God gives you somebody, you'll be attracted to her. But it's not just going to be a female, just a girl, just a woman. That's why you just don't marry anybody. You want to marry the one God provides for you. God hands that and she's going to be a blessing to you the same way that if you are a blessing to her, you are going to be, you're going to have some wisdom. You're going to have some discretion. You're going to have some prudence about you to care and love and give. It's a God marriage. Neither is God, watch this, just going to give you a job or just going to give you money. Not just a girl, not just a guy, not just money. It's going to be a blessing. So anytime you study the word prosperity, and I don't teach on it often, but I am today because the Lord has prompted me to do so. He wants to prosper us. The Bible says that for us to continue to say the Lord delighteth in the prosperity of his people. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants you to be blessed. He wants, you, he wants you to get a raise. He wants your job. He wants your business to flourish. He wants your finances to flourish. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. And uh, um, when you realize that, that, that God gives it to you, and it's like this. Let me see your, let me see your Bible. Sir. Uh, um, any, I don't have any money in my pocket. Anybody have any cash? Oh, a dollar. That's not. You have something more than a dollar? She's got two dollars. Amen. <laughs> We're starting a Hunger Kids Foundation after the service today. And, oh, I see a 20. Oh, my lands. I'll take a 50. You can, you could steal $50, but it's not blessed. It's going to get it bad. It's going to go bad. When you get that, hey, hold it, hold it. I'm not giving it to you. Amen. They shall land. That's what the Bible says. They shall. What? Hey. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Look at, see what happens when you give? It comes back to you. That was fast. Thank you. And, and watch what happened. That is, I'm telling you, that is the principle of giving. I've never given that it hasn't all come back. Amen. Not one time. No matter what it was. It's a principle of giving. But when that comes with you, if it, if it comes wrong, it's going to feel wrong. But if it comes blessed, come on, I, you, you, you're scared of that. Don't be scared. Money answereth all things. Proverbs says, grab it. It's going to feel blessed. It's peace with what you've been given. And, uh, and when God gives, when God gives out of his abundance and his goodness, see with you, he'll give you in small portions to see if he can trust you before he really gives a big blessing to you. Because why would I hand the keys to my truck to my nine-year-old Finn? It makes no sense. Makes no sense. But in time, he can grow into a place that I can say, hey, go down the road and pick this up. That comes with training and time and testing and proving. And some people want it all. And all you 18-year-olds that want everything mom and dad took 30 years to get, it just makes no sense. Take time. And God is our Father. Man, I feel like helping somebody. Don't try to get in debt trying to have what you were used to. No, start small. Start small. And what happens is when the finances come from God, they're going to be blessed. And guess what they're coming with? Are you ready? Hold your hand out. They're going to come with prudence. Stand up. Prosperity by definition does not mean just materialistic value. It means I'm going to give it with prudence. I'm going to give it with wisdom. 
I'm going to give it with conviction. I'm going to give it with the blessing. I'm, I'm going to give it with how are we going to use this? Not just, hey, I'm going to go get that fishing pole. I'm going to go buy that new car. I'm going to go. No, 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 no. Because God never gives in such a manner that it only goes to you. Hold that. Can I, can I, don't be stuffing your pockets. You got it? All right, hold that. Turn to Malachi 3. Let's look and see what the Bible says. How many want to live a life that you're blessing to more than just yourself? Really, how many want to live a life you're blessing more than yourself? Uh, you can be seated. And uh, in the last book of the Old Testament, there is, uh, there is, there's a writing by the prophet Malachi. And he says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, for I am the Lord and I what? Everybody say, change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from my ordinances or laws. That's what I want you to live. That's how I want you to live. And above and have not kept them. You've went away from my laws. You haven't kept them. He said to them, return to me. Everybody say, return to the Lord. He said, I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? And verse 8, he asked them, will a man rob God? That's a, that's a strong statement. Yet ye have robbed me. How? But you say, wherein have we, how have we robbed God? Look at your neighbor and say, how have we robbed God? That's a scary thought. He says, in tithes and offerings. What's tithe? 10% of your increase, as I read in Proverbs 3. Bring, bring, bring the first fruits of your increase. It's not just giving 10%. It's giving in the order of trusting Him with tomorrow. Somebody say amen. Tithes is not just 10%. It's trusting God with my tomorrow. It's also, blessed is the what? Man, you're all so nervous right now. Not more nervous than me talking about money up here. Everybody hold up three fingers. Percentage of giving is tithing. Attitude of, of giving he requires. What else? Order of giving. I give to him first because he's God. He controls. Doesn't matter what's going on out there. I'm not going to. The Bible says who gathers much will have none left over. Exodus. I'm going to bring teaching on that in a minute. But he who gathers little will have more than enough. I mean, if I hoard, I won't have. But if I allow spare and extra, then there's going to be plenty to give later. And what he says here, how we run, he says in tithes and offerings. He Verse 9, we don't like it, but it's in there. It says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. I do believe finances can become cursed. You might have it, but it's not happy. Have it, but it's not fulfilled. Bible says you put holes in your pocket. You put money in there and it goes away. Birds fly off with it. It's not, it, it comes in, but it's, where's it going? We don't have anything left over. What's happening to this? What did he do? Verse 10, watch what he says. This is a declaration. Everybody say it's a promise. Bring you all the tithes or 10% of your, it doesn't say bring all the tithes and all the offerings to the storehouse. People have preached that, but that's not in there. It says bring all the what? Ties into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me. God said, I want you to prove me with this. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He said, watch what I'm going to do when you put me first. Watch what I'm going to do when you take 10% of what I blessed you with through the job and you give it back to me. God doesn't need your 10%. He's not poor. That's no, he doesn't need it. You need to give it. Why? Because it's a factor of trusting him with my future. It's a factor of trusting God and saying, Lord, in, in return of what you've given to me, I'm giving back to you. That's what tithing is all about. 
That's what the scripture is talking about. You're saying, I trust you, God. And I'm going to tell you right now, I would rather have God's hand in my 90% left over than in my hand in my 100%. He's a multiplier. How many believe he's a blesser? Somebody say amen. I'm going to preach here for a minute. He said, prove me. Prove me. Somebody shout, prove the Lord. He said, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you a blessing that you cannot receive it. It's going to be so much. It's more than you need. Everybody take your hands. This is how much you need. But when God blesses you, it's more than you need. Here, sort of hit your neighbor a little bit. Hit your neighbor. It's more than you need. If this is how much you need, when you tithe and trust him, he gives you more than you need. So let me say, I've had people to teach and say, well, you know what? Tithing, no, you don't get blessed on tithing. That's not true. You do get blessed on tithing. I had one, one person, I've had a few people, heard a few people said over the years, well, if you just tithe, you won't be blessed. That's just fire insurance. They said it just keeps you out of hell. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. That's not what the scripture says. The Bible says if you bring just tithing in the house, he's going to open the windows of the heaven and pour a blessing that you can't contain. Are you ready for the revelation of this? If you tithe, you will have offerings. Because his blessing comes on you, the principle of blessing, stand. The principle of blessing, it's just like what you've seen, is, is you receive the 50. You're going to use it with prudence and then more money comes to you. Why? Because 50 is what you needed, but 70 is what you got. Why? Not so I can just upgrade my life, but to bless those that can't bless themselves. Help a missionary get on a field somewhere. God gives, begins to give me, and what happens is the Lord begins to speak about what he's put in your hand. Everybody have have your hand, open your hand. There's a blessing that goes into that hand. And when that blessing goes in the hand, and, and you have that blessing in your hand, and the Lord says, you know that extra you have? I want, you, I want you to, some things God doesn't have to speak. Some things, if you see your brother in need and you shut up your bowels of compassion, how do you want the love of God in you? When you see somebody hurting and you've got abundance, when you see somebody uh, uh, not able to be clothed, James talked about it. Just don't tell them to be blessed. Bless them with what you have. He said, don't, don't look at somebody hungry that's knocking your door and say, I'm starving. I had a meal. And you look at them and say, oh, go in the blessing of the Lord. Go be filled with plenty of food. He said, don't do that. He said, I'll, he said, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. He said, come in. I've got plenty. The Lord's blessed my cupboards. Here's, here's some food to help you. Watch, 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 watch. Living the best life. Go in, reach in your own closet. Bring out some clothes so they're not freezing in the winter. Because if you give it, it's going to come back to you. He said, I've given you extra, not just for you, but I've given you extra. That's why America has been blessed. The Bible says a man would raise up with the heart of a man, with a heart to give. That's why America has given so much around the world. The number one missionary producing country in the world is America because it was founded upon the word of God saying God has blessed us. Only 200 years old and financially blessed. Why? Because we have been givers. Not hoarders. Givers. Taking care of our community. Churches shouldn't be, man, I feel like preaching for a minute. Churches shouldn't depend upon the community to send our babies to youth camps, our, 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 our missionaries. We do car washes and, you know, get out there. And, no, 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 no. We shouldn't be dependent upon the community to send our missionaries and our, and our young people to mission trip. Uh-uh. You know what? The, the community should be dependent upon the church. The community should be dependent upon the believers. Because we bring a blessing because we are in concordance with what God wants us to do. That, that the company's not just blessing you. The company's blessed because you work for the company. 
That's not arrogant. It's biblical. He said, Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless those that bless you and every family of the earth is going to be blessed because of you individually. Not just by, getting by. Oh no. It's going to bless my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, Proverbs says. Somebody shout, I want to be a blessing. Clap your hands and thank God for it. I'm tithing. I have offerings. Not just going to be here. It could be down the road. It could be somewhere else. It could be you feel to give. All offerings do not go to the church. Tithing, yes. Offerings, no. Watch this. Hey, I'll never forget Whitney Miller standing right here. I, I remember her. her. Man, is Whitney here today? I didn't see her. I didn't see her. Whitney, when she was 12 years old, and you can vouch this, she stood here. We had an offering service given to some need of some sort. I don't remember. She stood here, a little 12-year-old girl, and, and she said that God told her to give $200 uh, to an offering. Here she is, a young girl, faith, raised in the church. And she went home and her, her mother found out she had pledged $200, which was all of her money. And she says to Whitney, Honey, you, you don't have to give all of your money. And that's good teaching. Because God didn't ask us to give all. He asked us to give first. That's right. She said, you don't have to give all of that. Oh, she said, oh no, mom, listen. She said, I told the Lord I would give $200 if he would give it back to my dad every week. And do you know, when she gave it, A.K. Steele, who he's worked for for over 30 years, renegotiated the contract for every employee for $5 an hour raise on a 40-hour week. The entire company got blessed because one little girl trusted God. That's the truth. That is, that is the truth. Somebody shout amen. And I feel this today because you want to live a great life. You want God's hand in your life. I don't want to not trust the Lord with my tomorrow. And he said, he said this in Malachi, I'm going to open up the windows. Everybody say windows. Pour a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Clap your hands and thank God for his word. In 2 Corinthians, I won't be much longer today, but in 2 Corinthians, I do feel that there is a portion of Scripture God gave me in my devotion to share with you. Paul began to write. He said, let me tell you about the church of Macedonia. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. He said, he said it this way. He said in verse 2, How they had a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. This is what he was saying. They were very poor and they gave a lot. They were so passionate about giving, even though they were poor, they gave. Verse three says, for to their power, I've never seen this before, just my scheduled devotion, my planned devotion, I'm reading this, and here it is, same week I'm gonna teach on giving, here it is, that just, I've never seen this in all, all the years I've read through the Bible. He said, for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. He said they gave more than they could afford. He said that's how people are giving. They're, they're, look what's going on. And he said, and God blessed them for it. That's what he said. He said God blessed them for it. So he starts writing and he makes this statement. He makes this statement in verse 7. He said, therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, you, you, are, you have abundance and in all diligence and in your love to us, See that ye abound in the grace also. He said, he said, be liberal in your giving. Just like precious sister that came down here and said, I'll give. That's what he's talking about. 
Just willing to give. Willing to give. Look at your neighbor and say, you cannot demand an offering. I've seen people, I've heard of churches that, that say, well, to be a member, you've got to give this much, and then you've got to give this much. I understand tithing. That's biblical. But you can't demand an offering. It's an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. Offering is something you offer. Somebody say an offering. Offering is something you give. He, he told Moses, he said, tell the people we're going to build a tabernacle. He said, tell them to give out of a willing spirit, and I will move upon them. And the people began to give out of their own heart. This is what I feel to give. Honey, well, let's, let's pray about it. We've got this coming up. What, what are we going to give? That, that's how, how that, that, that works. An offering is something you feel out of your own spirit. That You feel like, hey, God has spoken to me. I've got this extra. I need to give it to this or whatever. But he, he goes on and writes, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to, to prove the sincerity of your love. Watch verse 9. This is a powerful biblical statement. He said, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became what? Poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. What did Jesus own? The foxes have holes. Y'all so quiet, it's making me nervous. The foxes have holes. The birds have nests, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. We don't find one thing he owned except the garment on his body. And they took it off of him and gambled for him at the feet of the cross. Why did he lower his standard of living? To bless others. Isn't that right? That's a principle that lies there. And sometimes when God is calling you to give and He's speaking to your spirit to give, sometimes you say, you know what? I'm not going to Starbucks this month. Oh, pastor, I can't live without Starbucks. But somebody else is hungry. Somebody else has never heard the gospel. And sometimes we need to teach our children, you know what? Let's... Uh, uh, we, we looked at our kids one time and said, you know what? I think it was Lakin. We said, you know what? You have a lot of toys. She was just a little tiny girl. And we sat around and talked about how people have blessed us and how we've been blessed. How many have been blessed by others? Oh, man, my life has been blessed by others. I'm so thankful. Wisdom and finances and food. And, let me, and uh, I said, Lakin, you have too many toys. And I said, let's give these to somebody. And... Uh, we sat around talking about thankful and how people blessed us and over the years have blessed my life and just been blessed by others. The Bible says if you give, it'll come back to you, pressed down, shaking another, pressed down, shaking together, running over with men giving to your bosom. I want to tell you, sometimes God lets you realize we need each other. Need each other. And I said, uh, we were sitting around as we would have devotion to pray at night and I said, why don't we just take some of this and give? And, and Lakin said, who am I going to give my too many toys to? And we did. We found a need many years ago. She was probably, I don't know, was she maybe three? And we gave, was trying to teach them to give, that you, you, you're blessed in abundance. Grandparents like to give. Did you know this at? And uh, like to give. And, uh, you know, but to teach them to give. I remember as a boy, I remember as a boy when my dad sold the farm, sold the house, planted a church in Glen Ferris, West Virginia. He, uh, he sold our farm. He sold our house. You're talking about sacrifice. To go plant a church and buy, buy an old building. An old building. I remember getting off the school bus hoping the kids thought I lived in the house up on the hill. Not that old schoolhouse. You know, because all of us had an element of pride, I guess. And An old schoolhouse. You just don't want your friends to think you live in the back of the school. And uh, it was sacrifice. That's what God called my dad to. And I remember my dad said, hey, God's called us here. If he calls us to do this, he's going to bless us. We won't be in need. I remember him telling me that. I'll never forget. 
I'll never forget, Coach, that I opened up that refrigerator one day. I was 12. I opened up a refrigerator. And my dad had sacrificed making a couple of thousand a week traveling as a carpenter to unemployment to build this church and uh, move there. And I'll never forget, open up that refrigerator, Sister Sharp, and the only thing in the refrigerator was a bottle of ketchup. Listen, folks, you've never seen such bright red ketchup until it stands alone in the refrigerator. White, it's like a spotlight hanging down on it all by itself. I remember shutting that door, and I said, Dad said, God's going to provide. And I said to myself, Brother Archer, I said to myself, I'm going to see what God does. I'm not saying anything. I'm going to see what God does. The phone rings. I mean, that evening, Mom had pulled some food out of the cupboards and made us a, a meal we never did without, and everyone hungry, never, I mean, we, still, it seemed like there was, it was good and more than enough, and I'll never forget the phone call that came in. And uh, the guy said, hey, hey, Pastor, Brother Bounds, I want you to come preach for me this weekend. I'll never forget going to Parkersburg, West Virginia. The pastor's name was Delton Smith. And after church, they had for our family what is called a pounding. That didn't mean we got beat up. <laughs> that meant they gathered food to bless the missionary. The people the church had given out of their abundance. And they had given. And I'll never forget, after church, they said, we want to bless you. Listen. When I got in that car, I remember them putting box of groceries in the floorboard, in the seat, in my brother's floorboard, in his seat. And I can still picture them trying to shut the trunk of my dad's car, try to get all that food in there. And handed my dad a check for $800 and said, hey, take care of your kids for Christmas. And I remember sitting on boxes of groceries. My feet propped up on groceries. Sitting on boxes of groceries, my feet propped up on groceries. <laughs> and I thought to myself, God has taken care of my family. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. Amen. And guess what God's called you to do in your abundance? To take care of a missionary in Guatemala. We are taking care of a missionary in Vietnam. When he was dying in the hospital, we, we took our time and stopped and prayed for 24 hours. When they had given up on it, he was in a coma. Brother Barsati was in a coma. And we prayed. And at the minute of the 24-hour prayer meeting we called, the minute it was over, he, he came out of a coma and said, where am I at? Because we pray, we give, we love, we share. That's who we are. We trust God. Somebody shout, we trust God. Now, now listen, I'm going to skip this chapter because I've hit the clock and I need to obey the Lord. Go read it later and see what it says. He said, stand all over the building. Would you stand? Music come. Somebody shout, be a blessing. I'm talking today about living a best life. And he, he reads on and he says, he says to them in chapter 8, I'm just going to reiterate it, go read it later, read it in the King James Version, read it in the New Living Translation if you want to, but this is what he says in chapter 8. He said, I don't expect you to give more than you, more than you can afford. He said, I know Macedonia did that. He said, that's not my expectation. He said, that's not my, my uh, expectation. He said, you know what my expectation is? Give as God has given to you. He said, it brings equality. You know what he's saying? He said, because there might be a moment, Corinth, that you're in need. And another place has been blessed in abundance. And they might have to give. I've lived that. I lived, I've lived that when, when a church blessed us. Somebody gave an organ. Somebody gave the carpet. Brother Nehemiah, Moko's living that right now. 
But one of these days, Moco, McConnellsville Church is going to be blessing a church that's in need. Listen, you should never be pressured to give an offering, a large offering, because somebody else, you're not going to see me doing who will give 1,000, who will give 50,000, who will give 10. You're not going to see me do that. Because I believe if you're tithers and you trust God in your future and you're stewards, God can say, this is what I want you to give. It's for a sense, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand gives. What am I doing? I'm giving out of what God has told me to do. Read it later. How many want to be blessed and have a best life? I believe God wants to bless us. Give cheerfully. Bless. And your life is this big instead of your life this much. Probably one of the greatest things you'll ever feel. Probably the most two powerful forces in the universe. Are you ready for it? Everybody hold two fingers. Give and forgive. Powerful forces is when you give and forgive someone. Amen. Let me appreciate the teaching of the word of the Lord. Would you clap your hands thank God for it? I want you to lift your hands and ask God to touch you. Lord, we thank you for your word. I want to live a life that's making a difference. Not just living, not just attending, not just going, but blessing others, having more than enough. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. God, I want your hand upon our life, hand upon our family. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say amen. Where'd you go, Sawyer? See, he stepped out. Sawyer was a little boy. We were pastoring. We were pastoring here and Cambridge. Ben, come on and line up. Get ready to sing. And he received $30 for his birthday. And I said, you know what? Um, Give three dollars ties and sit down with him on his envelope. Listen, I've been blessed. But the Jeremy Duvall, I started paying tithes when I was so little. I remember marking three cents on the envelope because I found 30 cents in the couch. My daddy taught me that. And I've always had more than enough. God's always taken care of our situation. You're blessed because of what grandpa did what I've done. You're blessed because of trusting God. And I told Sarah, I said, you got $30 for your birthday. You know, pay your tithes. I said, give a couple dollars offering. So he did. He filled it out, helped me fill it out. He might have had a letter or two backwards on his name as I did when I was little. Probably had AA backwards R. You know how kids are. Just tiny. And uh, he came to church and put an offering. After church, somebody not knowing walks up to him shakes his hand, and they had something in their hand. He opens it, it's a $5 bill. He got it back before service was over. Get out of the building. He goes to Cambridge and they have this little thing that they do, a little game deal that they, it's a, not a game, it's called Sucker Bucket, and the kid wins different prizes, and he drew the red sucker out and won $30. He came to after church, he said, Dad, can I, can I pay my tithes? Blessings. I've lived this my whole life. I'm telling you, it works. It's true.
Are y'all ready to declare with me the word of God? Deuteronomy 28 and 2. Look what it says. I believe this with all of my heart. Look what it says. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 2. Are y'all ready? Don't, don't, Don't make me say it by myself now. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. I want you to take your hands like this and go like this. Come here, Perlake. That's what I'm talking about. It's like this. Overtake thee. It's like a big wave on the ocean. When I trust God, God overtakes not just me, but you. And I say to you, as a young lady, becoming a young adult, one of these days, you're going to have to make the price and decision yourself. There's going to be a blessing going to come on you just because I'm faithful. But one of these days, if you're going to pass on the blessing, you've got to be faithful. Let there be an amen. It's going to over, I wish somebody would say, overtake. What a powerful word that I get overtaken in a blessing. Like a wave. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. If I'll listen to it. Verse 3. Go ahead. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. I'm up here all by myself, aren't I? Blessed shalt thou be in the city. And blessed shalt thou be in the field. Go on. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. And the fruit of thy ground. And the fruit of thy cattle. The increase of thy kind. And the flocks of thy sheep. Down in Guatemala, they, they just, just back in the jungle, sometimes this church is going to jungle. It's like being somewhere in the late 1700s or 1800s, how they live. And the man started tithing his cattle. And guess what? All of his cattle started having twins. That's the truth. You can ask him. God began to bless the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. My goodness. He said, blessed shall be thy basket. That's daily needs. And store. That's retirement. He didn't ask you to give all. He just said, give first. He said, I'm going to take care of right now. I'm also going to take care of you when you can't take care of yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, one of these days you're going to get old and need it. Amen. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Read on. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in and blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. When I'm going in my house and leaving my house, amen, I'm going to be blessed. My home's going to be blessed and everywhere I go is going to be blessed. God's going to bless me. I'm talking about living a good life. I trust him with my tomorrow. Oh, don't turn it off. There's more. There's more. You got a few minutes? Hey, listen, Crocker Bell's waiting on you. Hang on. Look what it says. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. He said, the Lord shall command. Everybody shout, command. When God speaks to same creator that said, let there be light, he commands blessing over my life. Nothing can stop me from being blessed. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand to do. Watch what happens. When you start getting involved with God, God starts opening up your mind. Leadership starts coming out of you. Creativity starts coming out of you. Maybe even entrepreneurship. You start dreaming and God said, if I called you to do it, I give prudence, I give creativity. Whatsoever your hand does, I'm going to bless it. Isn't that what the devil told the Lord about Job? He said, everything he touches, you bless. Amen. How many feel God wants to bless us? He said, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Woo. Let's read on to verse 12. Let's read on to verse 12. No, verse 11. Let's not skip this. I'm trying to hurry. You know what I mean? And the Lord shall make thee what? 
end goods and the fruit of thy body. Sounds like some of you are going to have a bunch of kids. Amen. <laughs> Not very me responding to that one. I got up one time and said, uh, 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 who was it? House of Obed-Edom, one study said that all the women started having six kids. I said, he was blessed. And some lady said, uh-uh. In the fruit of thy body and in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Verse 12, look what it says. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many, and thou shalt not borrow. He said, I'm going to bless you in abundance that you're going to be able, out of my treasure, you're going to be, begin to bless others instead of you being the one that needs to be blessed. Somebody say amen. I want you to lift your hands and ask God to touch you. Hallelujah. I'm going to have enough spirit to share. I'm going to have enough anointing to share. I'm going to have enough not time to share. Not going to be rushed anymore. My weeks are not going to be unfulfilled. Trevor, come here, Trevor. Take that back to Sister Wendy. I'm going to be able to relax. I'm going to be able to sleep. I'm not going to deal with insomnia. I'm not going to deal with these things. The blessing of the Lord's about to come over me. I want everybody in this room right now to begin to tell the Lord, I want to do it your way. I want my marriage to be blessed. God, I pray you bless the intimacy of the relationship. I pray that God, you bless the health of our mentality. I pray that God, that you would bless the finances in our family. I'm asking you, God, to give me the mindset to forgive. People have done me wrong, but I don't want to hold on to that bitterness, that hatred and that anger any longer. God, I want to live the best life you call me to live. Today, things change. Today, a blessing's coming down. I'm not going to deal with bondage and chains and regrets. No. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Come on, I want everybody in the room to open up your heart to the Lord. What does God want me to do? What ministries He want me to be involved in? I might be the missionary that needs help one day. They're going to start singing. We're going to start worshiping in this room. There's a call of God that's going forth in this room right now. If you feel God calling you, I want you to come. If you feel God calling you, I want you to come. There's a call of God. Maybe you're the next Frank Mounds that goes to a small community. Maybe you're a missionary. I'm going to live a life that will bless others because one day I might be the one that needs help there is a call of God in this room I'm changing today I'm not going to have any regrets thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast if you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.